We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? You know what my biggest regret of our podcasting career is, Big B? Oh, boy, what? You know, it's it's not all the dumb questions I've asked before or any of the mistakes, any of the bad episodes. And, you know, it's not Aaron Jones falling short on his promise to come on the show. But my biggest regret is the fact that the two of us will never get to watch Underage Packers episode live. I mean, sure, we can watch it afterwards, you know, but like we will never fully get to take it in of the experience of watching our episode for the first time. I mean, that just has to be so exhilarating, like seeing Andy Herman perform at like the form or, you know, Rob DeMosky at Red Rocks. Like we never get to experience that. So that's disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to go with it. All right. Here we are today. We get to experience what it's like as this thing is constantly you know, we're just winning it constantly. So should be a fun time. I got a Dr. Pepper. I'm Joey. Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time watching, that was probably not a good introduction, uh, not a good first impression for you. Um, but hey, I'm, I promise you I'm not quoting Antonio Brown all the time. Today at the Underage Packers podcast, we're going to pretty much be wrapping it up for the preseason as the Packers will be playing in their final preseason game of 2022 in Kansas City this upcoming Thursday should be a good time. So we'll be talking about all the action that has went down this preseason, looking at the Packers and how they try to kind of cut their roster down to 53 that they have to have um, after this final preseason game here. So let's head right into it Uh, before we get to the preseason talk, though. So I guess let's not head right into it. I did want to make a special announcement here that. These two fellows on your screen, the two fellows in your pods, will be making it to town for the Packers versus Rams Monday night game in Green Bay in December, December 19th. And I simply cannot wait. We got our Packers versus Bears game in last year. Was that the first Packers Bears game you've been to, Bigby? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I think I remember you saying that last year. I was like, wow, for all the games you go to, never been to one. So got it. that was great to get that great rivalry experience in. And then I'm super excited for this one just because the stakes should be super high, right? The Packers and the Rams probably going to be two of the top few teams in the NFC. This game is going to have a lot of impact on playoff seeding. It's Monday night. It's primetime football in December Lambo. Man, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Mainly getting chills thinking about how cold it's going to be. But we're going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Now, with that special announcement out of the way, let's get into some preseason talk. Uh, starting off with this last game against the Saints, Packers only home preseason game. Um, I thought my main takeaway from this, the guy that we were all watching, Jordan Love, my main takeaway from his performance is that he looked good. And 
I was gone away for the first half of the game, so I watched the second half first. And after the second half, you know, he played the whole third quarter and then a few drives in the fourth. And I thought, you know, he looked decent, looked solid, had a few good throws. He had the one to Amari Rogers over the middles that he uh, zipped in there and avoided a hospital ball by throwing it to the outside instead of having Amari keep on breaking in. And he would have been right into the fender as he caught it. Then he had a great one down the sideline to Samari Torre, which Samari couldn't draw, um, bring in. But um, yesterday, when I look back and watch the first half of the game, man, what a performance from Jordan Love. And I'm not saying it was Aaron Rodgers' MVP-type performance, and obviously we weren't expecting that. But that man looked good out there. Big B, what are your thoughts on Jordan's second performance of the season? Oh, man. Um, yeah, he looked like a completely different player from – uh, last off season and hell, even last week, he looked completely different, a lot more comfortable in the pocket, didn't get flushed easy, made the correct reads, mm-hmm. fit, fit them balls in there. The receivers dropped them, of course, but man, he just looks so much better and you love to see him develop. Yeah. It's to the point last week where I was like, I really want to see how he would do with, you know, the offensive line is mostly the same. But I would really love to see how he would do with the first team offense. But, you know, and I'm not hoping that Aaron Rodgers goes down at all this season. But, man, I'd just love to to see Jordan out there with the full potential on this offense. Um, like you said, you know, was not lustered by the pressure. I thought he had a lot of confidence. He was not hesitating to throw the balls, which, you know, you see that a lot with young quarterbacks, I think where they just don't have confidence, so they hesitate a little bit. At least I do this in Madden as well. You know, they hesitate a little bit. They want, they can't trust what they're seeing, so they don't throw it right away. And by this second after that happens, when they're waiting for it to develop a little bit more, by that time, that opportunity is gone, and they're down on the ground. So glad to see that Jordan is getting a lot more confidence in his game. Um, Let's see here. What we got next? Some other guys who I thought performed really well. Uh, where the menace was the menace at offensive tackle and Caleb Jones, man, he just like, obviously he pops off the screen just for his size, but he had some plays in there too um, that were really impressive as offensive tackle. Um, And then also the third stream running back, Tyler Goodson, I thought looked really good. Once again, just really shifty. I think the Aaron Jones comparison, not that it's a common one, but I think, they're comparable in some ways, just in the fact of their their shiftiness, their quick cuts. And I think Goodson has really good vision as well. So was really uh, happy to see Goodson perform well. Uh, JJ and Nagbar, man, that one sack, that was one of the plays. JJ's, or it wasn't a sack, but JJ's pressure where he pretty much like instantly like pretty much ducks under the offensive tackle and then just like does a little slide to the quarterback gets right in his face. And Ian book does a good job avoiding it. And Kingsley gets a little too excited that he's back there. Um, So hopefully that's not a constant problem where he just gets so excited that he made it to the backfield and then can't focus on actually tackling the quarterback. Um, I mean, I would be excited too. If I pulled off that move, That, that was pretty impressive. He did like a whole baseball move there. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's a good comparison. 
he he was probably thinking after he made that like oh man i'm gonna go viral on twitter aren't i <laughs> uh yeah so jj did great um and then also mike micah abernathy obviously don't think he's gonna make the roster just because there's a lot of cornerbacks um on this step chart that played really well in the preseason game but his interception man that was a great play from the former uh, usfl player so Love to see that. Those are my key performance. Big B, do you have anybody else you want to bring up? Um, well, I see that we're probably gonna mention them in the next um talking point, but Keandre Thomas, mm-hmm. I mentioned him in our um pregame little chat there that we did um as a player to watch for this game, and he came out and he made me look good. So hey, shout <laughs> out to Keandre making me look good, played a very good game. Did I think only I think allowed one catch or something like that. Um, so yeah, thanks to Andre for making me look good and actually making me look like I know things. So yes. yes. I thought Thomas had a nice game in the first one, uh, again, in the, the second week as well. Um, same with Kavion Intel and, uh, Rico Gafford, I thought looked really well. So, you know, these cornerbacks, I have some worries about everybody behind Russell Douglas there. That's a lot of positions. I feel like. They have their top heavy, got a lot of good players on top, don't have a lot of depth, but like they, they might not have, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. So for corners, they might not have a strong number four, but they have a lot of really good number fives, number sixes, and number sevens, I feel. Yes. So, and I think that's the same thing with outside linebacker. Like, is Ladarius Hamilton and Kobe Jones a solid? outside linebacker three as rotational piece. I don't know about that, but they're really solid depth pieces, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, next up, the players who are going to be hard to cut. So just bottom of the depth chart, guys, that most likely aren't going to make the 53-man roster, but the Packers are going to have to sneak, try to sneak on to the um, practice squad. Uh, One of those guys I just mentioned, Ladarius Hamilton, Really interested to see who the Packers keep at outside linebacker because I'd be shocked if they kept only three. That would be quite a risky move, but who knows? Maybe they like the potential Quay Walker has there and possibly Isaiah McDuffie. Who knows, man? Like, just as a versatile piece to put on the edge as well. I don't know. Um, But like I said, I'll be shocked if they keep only three. So they'll have to choose between – I, I, I think they like Jonathan Garvin. I do too. And I think they like Tip and Nalii. Tippa and Jonathan have, have tape from last year. So that's a great advantage for them. But also some of the players I just mentioned, you know, Ladarius um, and Kobe. JJ probably will make that roster. So Tippa probably gets back down to the practice squad once again, but he will definitely. Um, have his name on the Packers list to call up at some point during the season, I'm sure. So it's outside linebacker Ladarius. It's just too crowded of a depth room at this point. Um, and then also Caleb Jones, once again, I, I think they want to develop him a little bit more before they throw him on the 53 man roster. Um, but who knows how they feel about the rest of the offensive line depth pieces. I mean, you're looking at the locks to make this offensive line roster. And obviously you have Bakhtiari, Jenkins. It looks with their injury progress, they're going to be able to be on that 53-man 
week one. And then you have the other three starters in Runyon, Myers, Newman. Uh, even if he's not a starter, he's a factor on that list. Zach Tom, um, maybe Jake Hansen, who was on the roster all of last year for some reason. Um, and then I'm blanking here. John Ryan, did you mention John Ryan? Yeah, he'll probably make the roster just because he's a third round pick, even if he's not going to do much in his rookie season. I mean, that's eight guys right there in locks to make the roster. So that's a pretty crowded room for Caleb Jones to sneak into. I completely forgot about Yash Nyman. So there's nine. Like, it's going to be a difficult task for Jones. I don't know if he'll make the roster, but. He'd be a great practice squad piece, and I'm excited to see if the Packers do hang on to him as a project and where he goes if they do. Uh, Big B, do you have anybody you want to bring up as guys who are going to be difficult decisions for the Packers to m- make? Um, I mean, that defensive line room is pretty crowded. I mean, you got you got um, Chris Slayton and Jack Heflin both on the um, edge of being cut and making the roster. I think there's just too many people in the D-line room for both of them to make the roster or I don't, I don't even think both of them even make the roster to begin with. Yeah. So they're going to need um, a strong week three and um, hopefully we get them back on the practice practice squad. I know Chris Slayton, he has been playing really well this preseason. I've been really impressed with him and he's kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, Slayton, it's not like he was an undrafted free agent rookie who was never anywhere. He's played with the Niners and the giants last year. I'm pretty sure. So he's been around, um, and he's just been playing really well. Um, Heflin, I don't remember him make, doing too much against the Saints, but I know he did a lot in that second half against the Niners. And he was on the practice squad all of last year and got called up for a few games. I can't remember if he ever played in any games, but I know he got called up to the roster for at least one. Yeah. Um, so we'll be really interesting to see what happens on that D-line group. Um, and – like we mentioned with the corners, I have Keandre Thomas written down here, but I don't think we need to go any further on those. Um, some great news for the team now. Uh, let's let's talk about some injury progress. It's looking like this team is going to be healthier than we thought by week one against the Minnesota Vikings. You have Elton Jenkins, Tunyon, and Watson, like we talked about in our live before the Saints game. They're back from the PUP list. And then also, I was just waking up on this Sunday morning this past weekend, and I see the news that David Bakhtiari is off the PUP, the all-pro left tackle. And what's funny is I was, like, listening to Matt's press conference in the background as he announced this, but I guess my brain just wasn't, like, turned on. So, like, I was listening, and I was like, I didn't take anything away from it. And then I see like a minute later, Schefter tweeting out, uh, Matt LeFleur announces um, that David Bakhtiari is coming off the PUP. And I'm like, oh my God, he did? And I'm like, wait, wait, like Schefter isn't like a fast forwarding time. <laughs> so like, I was like, oh, I, I guess I just missed that. But anyways, it's, it's great news. No matter how you found out, if it's from the Adam Schefter tweet or if you were actually paying attention to the live stream. Bakhtiari being back, I mean, I'm not going to get too excited until I see them see him out there playing a full game for two weeks in a row. Not going to get too excited until then because this is like our fourth go around of David Bakhtiari is back. Yeah. So 
even with this, I'm going to hold off my expectations a little bit. I mean, fifth time's a charm, right? I mean. Hey, can only hope. Yeah, going to have and, to at this point. Yeah, and I have been holding myself back just because I've never had the energy for it, and I don't think I do today. But this whole, the, the rap that David Bakhtiari has gotten from a select few group of haters, a small group of haters, a small group of uneducated idiots during this time, during his recovery, is so unbelievably frustrating and annoying, knowing what, how hard, how much David has wanted to get back on the field. All right, now I don't have a massive glare on my face, but th- I cannot believe for these past two years that there are people that believe that David Bakhtiari hasn't been putting in enough effort. Uh, like, I, you don't need me to tell you how stupid that idea is, and I'm sure you guys have seen plenty of it as well. But, man, it is so mind-numbingly frustrating. Yeah, and, I, and I've really noticed, especially, like, the past week, that all the people who are saying that stuff they don't know like even what happened like at all. Yeah. Like I'm telling them this stuff and they're, and it's like the first time that they heard that Bakhtiari has had like multiple surgeries yeah. after the fact. And that his knee is perfectly fine for like months now, but now it's just the fluid and such. Right. They just don't know. And it's really annoying and they should know, but I guess that's the, the uh, diehard in me thinking that everybody needs to know every little single detail about everything. Yeah. Well, that's a good point too, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing that irks me, too, is people are like, if, you know, Elton Jenkins coming back at this point and other players across the league that are recovering from ACLs and they mm-hmm. have, like, a normal recovery time of, like, 10, much, 10 months, which is still, you know, um, insane, a long time to miss. But, and they're like, well, David took two years. <laughs> yeah, because this wasn't a typical ACL. And also, mm-hmm. it's much worse for offensive linemen all the time because they're 300 pounds behemoths. Yes. That's much more weight to put on a simple bone. So, mm-hmm. hey, let's let's chill down with David Bakhtiari. Let's also chill down with our talk about Amari Rogers. Oh, thank God. There are so many people that I think have this image still of what Amari was in 2021. Like, I see some of these tweets. I see some of these comments, and I'm like, are you guys not watching the preseason games where he looks like a totally different player? And it's not just the production from him. It's not just his punt returns being solid. It's the fact that he, his movement is completely different because production and the preseason, you know, that's, that's whatever. But the fact that what get, really gets me excited for his potential in the offense this year it's just he is moving so much faster. He is so much more elusive with that 18 pounds he dropped this offseason. I think he's going to have so much more ability to be that slot guy that we drafted him for. And I am, for one, very excited for that. I know. It's so – okay, now, now you're getting me going here. <laughs> it is so asinine that people think he's not even making the roster this year. It mm-hmm. just absolutely blows my mind that people are dumb enough to think that. Like, he's yeah. going to be – so much more like I get the wide receiver room is so crowded but you know he's our um, punt and kick returner he's going to be used in jet sweeps and motions he's probably going to be used in the backfield because of how crowded that wide receiver room is 
that yeah. Matt Lauer is going to have to get creative and use him somehow. So might as well stick him in the backfield, kind of like Randall Cobb does. Oh, and oh, hey, guess what? Randall Cobb is pretty much Amari Rogers, but whatever. I'm done. Yeah. Let's just talk about all the, the stupid things that Packers fans have been talking about for the last five months of this offseason. Let's just let's just go on rants about all that. Yes, it's starting to it's starting to boil over. I can feel it's just all starting to ooze out of me. I got it. Yeah, it's starting to bleed out. We're almost to the season. We're almost there. Um, so yeah, that's that. Mario Rogers is going to be great this year. Cannot wait. Um, what has been great in training camp though has been this stifling defense. As you know, Rasul Douglas had a quote today um, that saying that the offense is just, you know, it's no match against the Packers defense. And I love that cockiness from Rasul. Uh, we talked about it, and I think um, I think we talked about it. This is either a personal conversation of ours or in a live stream. They kind of blend together of a great, overconfidence a good overconfidence that even though I just use the word cockiness it's not cockiness it's a great overconfidence that you have to have as a player in this league and Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander have just brought that mindset to the defense I love it and I hope it doesn't end up uh biting so yeah there's that Rasul I feel like I feel like our defense can be so cocky, kind of like the Legion of Boom was. Mm. Like they're gonna be so cocky that fans are gonna hate them. But for us, it's gonna be so amazing because we love that cockiness yes. as a fan. And Jair's got that, and I feel like all all of his energy gonna um, trickle down to everyone else. Rasul's got that in them. It's gonna be fun year. I hope the energy they have this year is similar to that of the 2019 Packers with Zedarius and Preston and yeah. the way that it was just a complete resurgence of the defense. And, you know, in 2019, it was a little bit different because we were coming off of 2019 where our defense had allowed Raheem Mostert, a 80th screen running back to run for 200 yards in the biggest game of the season. And in 2018 where, or no, well, I'm talking about the 2019 season. So yeah, you're kind of all over the place. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they were coming off that 2018 season where obviously Zadarius and Preston weren't there for that. They were coming off that season where they were running with a run down Clay Matthews and a point uh, a often injured and a already proven to be a bust Nick Perry outside linebacker. They were running with Tremont Williams at safety. And was that the year they brought Devon House back? 2018? That was 20. That was 17, I think. Okay. He played, he played um, in that game, in the Saints game that we went to. Oh, okay. Anyways, 2018 was just so miserable on defense and the years before that, too. So in 2019, complete resurgence of the defense. So that was different from what it is now because defense has played pretty well in 2021 and in 2020. And, but I think this year, once again, we could see just a total energy shift from this defense, especially because of what's happened on offense now with the loss of Devontae Adams. I think the defense has this mindset of we are going to lead the team to a Super Bowl. Obviously, the offense is going to help us out. We have the MVP at quarterback. 
But when people talk about how the Packers won the Super Bowl, the first thing they are going to mention is us, the defense. And I love that attitude. Um, that's can't wait. Cannot wait for this season. Um, one last thing here, and then we'll end it off. Big B, this preseason game against Kansas City. Who is one player that you think has to ball out to make the roster or even the practice squad? Oh, um, wow. Um, that there's one, a, that one, that there's a good choice here. I, I don't want to steal it from you. Mm. I'll give you a few seconds to think about it, or else I'm going to steal this great answer from you. <laughs> you're probably going. You're probably going to have to because I'm. <laughs> I'm looking at the roster right now, and I have no idea. Um, you look down to number 84, Tyler Davis. Mm-hmm. I think has to have a pretty good game. I see. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about it in our live stream before the Saints game, and everybody else has been talking about it, but Tyler Davis has not looked well. The team cut Dominique Daphne, and today they reached on an injury settlement with him. So, you know, Tyler, especially with Robert Tunyon coming back, he has to have a pretty good game. I still think that Lafleur and Gutekinds like what they see in him. But if he has another performance like he did in uh, San Francisco or at Green Bay against New Orleans, ooh, his career isn't looking too well. Uh, Big B, do you have another answer? Um, yes, I'm going to go with my boy Ray Wilborn. The man balled out versus the Saints. Um, our inside linebacker core is actually four deep. I mean, Isaiah McDuff yeah. also balled out. Ray Wilborn's going to have to have a big week if he wants to stay on the active roster. And I don't know if they're going to keep five inside linebackers, but I would assume Ray Wilborn is that guy. Yeah, I think when we see the 53-man roster, it will tell us about the guys who are going to play on special teams because that's going to be Wilborn's path onto the roster. Just like you mentioned, Isaiah McDuffie, I think he pretty much took the inside linebacker four job. He, you know, his viral tackle was enough. (laughs) Just pushing one. Oh man, one using the Saints offensive tackle pretty much as a pinball. Yeah, special teams is the greatest path for Ray Wilborn to make this roster. Um, I don't think Ty Summers going to make the team just because like I think they're looking to clean house on special teams they've already brought in enough Rich Bisaccia guys Rich Bisaccia disciples onto this team that and I think they just don't want any stains of the Maurice Drayden and Shamaninga days yeah and plus Ty Summers really hasn't developed much I mean he's pretty much been the same player ever since he's gotten to Green Bay so I don't see a point in keeping him around anymore yeah, I, I just feel like you can find a special team-specific inside linebacker on the street anytime you want. With that, we will end episode 108 of the Underage Packers off here. Uh, next week, we'll be back to discuss 53-man roster cutdowns and heading in to week one of the season. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you follow us on all the social medias, and we'll talk to you later. As always, go Pack Go!